I like that. Dan just said, let's roll it. That that was a very professional, cool podcast thing to say. I've literally never said that before. Yeah, I know. That's just... why I'm so blown away. It's like, all right, let's. <laughs> he has an audience. Yeah. I got to perform a little bit more. All right. There's some tagline. This is the longest tagline of the show. So let's roll it indeed. They know him and they shiver. The big names of Broadway, Hollywood, and Capitol Hill. They know JJ, the world-famed columnist whose gossip is gospel, to 60 million readers. They know the venom. Yes, it's still going. They know the venom that flickers in those eyes behind the glasses. And they fawn like Sid Falco, the kid who wanted, quote-unquote, in so much. He'd sell out his own girl to stand up there with JJ, sucking in the sweet smell of success. This is JJ's story, but not the way he would have liked it told. That's a synopsis. That's I don't think I don't think that's a tagline. <laughs> yeah. That must have been uh, quite the big poster. All right. It's normal from here, though. Lie for it. Cheat for it. Drink to it. The sweet smell of success. It's okay. Yeah. You guys love that first one. See, we came in too hot. How can you top that paragraph? Yeah, it's like longer yeah. than the movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's a long movie. Uh, beware these gentlemen of the press. All right. Good That's morning. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were running out of stuff after that first one. All right. This is the it's story like, of JJ. Wait, what's it like? I was going to say, it's like, uh, like that could have also worked for like Ace in the Hole. Like, oh, yeah. Like, so vague. They're just taking its leftovers, I'm sure. Uh, the story of JJ, but not the way he wants it told. Well, that was kind of that other one. All right. The almighty JJ, the columnist with 60 million believers. His wrath is feared by the great and near great who worship the sweet smell of success. And finally, the motion picture that will never be forgiven or forgotten. Mm-hmm. Okay. Much well, sure. like time has been kind to the film. That's true. But will we stay tuned? You guys are making me so nervous. Ahoy, hoy, Noiros, and happy new year. Never too late to wish such a, a kind uh, wishing. I wish Happy New Year to you, Confetti Dan over there. He's got his hat still on. He's got the, the thing you blow. What do you call that, Dan? You're, you're an expert at Party City. Um, I mean, it's Party Favor. I don't know. I don't know. It, probably ha- it, probably has a, it probably has a name. I don't really know. It could just be Party Favor. Yeah. Mayhaps our special guests of the show, returning fan favorite and show favorite, Film Noir Confidential. Thank you so much, guys. What do you call those things? Party favors? <laughs> it is just that? Okay. Well, like when you say party favor, I, I have a vision in my head. I know what you're talking about. So like it's kind of like a it includes like the hat, the blowy thing, and maybe it's a balloon. Also, you, you know, the one that also you turn around and makes that like rickety. Oh, noise. yeah. I wonder who invented that. That. that feels like an accident. Like that's just like, oh, yeah, just sell that. It's broken, but screw it. So uh, I just looked it up because, you know, this Amazing. is part Amazing. of my job. Um, so apparently the actual real term name for them is Party Horn. Thank you. <laughs> and it's part of the favor package. Or I, I will say that there's uh, there's a bunch of other names. So let me just roll through them real quick because I think Excellent. you'll all enjoy them. The new um, taglines right here. Also known as a party blower. 
a party pipe. Party, party pipe, elephant. I like that. Yeah. Party blowout. Wait, you said elephant? Party elephant, yes. Uh, sure. Party blowout. Noisemaker. Noisemaker. Party, huh? party whistle. There's a lot, so bu- buckle buckle in. Party honker. <laughs> Ta-do-da. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Noise popper. <laughs> Birthday kazoo. Birthday kazoo is really good. I like wizard. Wizard's uh, all right. Blow tickler. Tongue kazoo. Okay. I I, pro- I promise you this is not on, like Urban Dictionary or something. It feels um, like it. Uh, what else is there? Party snake. Wow, there's just too many names for that. But yes, yeah, party horn. I, I I'm gonna go with party horn. Well, we're busting them out, whatever you want to call them, for today's episode. A hundred and five, kicking off the new year with something nice and smelly. The sweet smell of success. This was released on July fourth. What an Independence Day that must have been in 1957 distributors united artists must have felt that way along with the producers hecht hill and lancaster productions i wonder if any one of those guys are going to be in the movie (laughs) directed by alexander mackendrick uh screenplay by clifford odets and ernest lemen based on the 1950 novelette i believe it's the first novelette of the show tell me about tomorrow exclamation point from Ernest Lemon again, and that appeared in Cosmopolitan. And I want to give a special shout out to the real star of the show, cinematography, James Wong Howe. Beautiful looking movie. Genius. No matter how opinions may fall by the end of this sucker, what a good looking movie. You you guys are giving me such anxiety about how you feel about this place. This was a film noir confidential pick. No pressure, but it's one of my favorites. Why is it your favorite, would you say? Uh, well, it it's such for me like an immediate grab. The cinematography, James is my favorite cinematographer, even more so than John Alton. So I think it like it looks fantastic. The dialogue is so sharp and cutting. You know, I'm such a fan of New York City. I obviously lived there for a few years. I think both Lancaster and Tony Curtis give like a performance of a lifetime. Like they're so they're both so good in it. It just for me, just checks all the boxes. And the music, the music. you got Chico Hamilton. Yeah. Forget about it. <laughs> so those are all great selling points right there. We'll see trying. where we <laughs> take we'll it from if, here. We'll see if it sticks. It could. It felt very sticky. But yes, we're in Manhattan, and we're meeting Sidney Falco, our, our Tony Curtis, of course. He's a publicist, something I'm sure we're all familiar with in our industries. They're the slimiest of all. <laughs> Did you know I used to be a publicist? <laughs> Maybe I did. Life. Maybe I did. I think you <laughs> in did. In my other life, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure you were a real Sidney Falco back in your day. Oh, yeah. That's probably Maybe. why you like this movie so much. Is you can relate. You smelled the success yourself, didn't you? Sidney's like the kind of publicist I wish I could be because you have to have like a real, you have to be really like hell-bent for that level of success. Like you Drive. It's a bit more ruthless than I ever could be. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think you're quite ruthless. <laughs> Thank you. you. You found your way on the show yet once again and made a suggestion of a movie and everything. You're, you're kicking in the door. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I watched this on Hoopla, by the way. It's, it's out there, but there's a Criterion edition as well. It's a, a very nice package. We got two out of three holding that up. Digital Gentleman Joey here to say... Uh, 
I don't even think I said welcome to the show. So there's that. And uh, welcome to me <laughs> not holding anything. But we love Hoopla. So check them out. Get a library card. Maybe you have a New York City library card. So this guy, Falco, he's been trying to get his clients in the paper. He has a deal going on with a columnist of the New York Globe, J.J. Hunsecker, our Burt Lancaster. He'll be coming in in a bit. He has millions of readers, as we heard in the taglines. So it's very important to end up in this column if you can, but nothing's making it in. So J.J. is struggling as a result of that, and he's trying to keep everybody happy and, and keep himself afloat. He has a, a secretary as well, Sally, who is um, just kind of on the receiving end of his struggles and failures at the moment. So he needs to figure out how to get back on JJ's good side. And JJ himself has a problem going on with his sister, in fact, Susan, and a jazz player, because as we mentioned, this wonderful music all throughout. You get Steve Dallas, uh, such a great name. Yeah, no, Adam, yes. Adam 12 himself. There you go. Pete Malloy. Any Adam 12 fans name. out there? Yeah, I think. I am. I am. Yes, I grew up watching Adam 12. So I was, I was, I'm always glad to see him. That might be uh, one of the, the pro columns for you, Dan, on this one. It is. No, I actually, I do really like him in this movie. The performances are fantastic as well, is another compliment I would give. I, I appreciate because you don't always get to see a musician in film noir as like, I wouldn't say he's a main character, but it definitely like a, an important character to it. Cause yeah, I feel like you don't always get to see that. So I, I like the fact that he's like playing a guitar player and that's a part of the plot. I do. I do like that. Not only by that, the but he's, like, he's also like a good guy. Like you want to root for him. He's sure. not like yeah, exactly. a troublemaker, a druggie or any sort of like negative connotation that you see a lot of times in movies. He's probably like the only truly good and innocent character in the movie for the most part, maybe the secretary Sally, but that's about it. Right. And that's the irony of like what they end up, you know, trying to stick on him. You know, they try to paint him in that light. You got to watch out for these people. Yeah. JJ fucking hates this relationship. He loves his sister and doesn't think that Steve Dallas is good enough for him, mostly because he's a little mouthy. You know, he's disrespectful in JJ's eyes. You know, he's a god of the newspaper and, and this guy's just mouthing off and running off with his sister. You can't have that. He also doesn't seem very impressed by J.J., which I think bothers him. Exactly. Yeah. J.J., our Burt Lancaster, he's got these wonderful glasses, and he likes to eat. He's always eating in a lot of this movie, sitting at a restaurant table, just soaking it in, like a mafia guy, but a journalist, you know? And he's not like... too far off. No, not at yeah. all. I mean, you know, some it's would fine say... Line, fine line. <laughs> some would smell such a thing. So J.J.'s like, you're... Uh, yeah, JJ goes to Sidney Falco. He's like, you want to get any stories in my column? Why don't you go ahead and handle this thing with Steve Dallas? I don't like it. Go take care of it. So he's off to try to break up that relationship. And, and it's just like a lot of uh, side characters coming in. I mean, you have like cigarette girl Rita who works at this club. So like, you know, there's a lot of fun characters that kind of get intertwined in this tapestry of journalistic insanity. <laughs> Yeah, well, she's trying to, uh, it's the whole thing where she's trying to, like, keeps trying to get his attention, like, because she needs help. And he's just, like, she's just, like, so dismissive of her just because he's got, you know, bigger fish to fry, essentially. But she does like him. I mean, you get the sense that, like, she, like, that whole sequence where, you know, she's, like, trying to, like, 
nudge him like, Hey, like is your key still under the mat? Like she obviously likes him, but he just like, doesn't really, he's not focused on her at all. No, it's all about the publicity for him, his job. It's all about himself. Yes. So basically the plan is to plant a rumor that Dallas, he smokes weed, which is, you know, he's going to give him the old Mitchum in 57 that he's a (laughs) weed smoking communist, you know, that the two worst things you could be at this time. Now not so much. Now it's the opposite. No, that's the coolest thing you could be probably. And so, yeah, they're going to do that. They're going to put it you know, like in a, a rival column so they could just look as far away from them doing this thing as possible. And of course, you know, like uh, pot smoking communist, you're fucking fired, dude. So everything seems to work. But then all of a sudden, JJ, you know, he's trying to make his sister happy. She's very bummed about this whole situation and can tell what's going on because she knows how powerful her brother is and he's like oh no no i that wasn't me look i'll get him his job back like oh i'm, I'm a good brother yeah we should also mention that like he has to go like the the lengths he has to go to to like make this happen like basically like trying to blackmail people into like doing this for him and like mm-hmm. the way he has to like convince the, the other guy who's like basically like the number two guy to Hansacker. he has to basically just be like hey i'm gonna you know get you set up with Rita. And if you do this for me, you know, he tries to like really has to like go to all these lengths and like physically takes him to her and like tries to like, you know, bring them together and just like, that's fucked up when that happens. It really is. That's a dark one. Yeah. It's a great scene. I mean, Rita's amazing in it, especially when she Mm -hmm. like storms back to the bedroom looking for her shoe. She's like circling around and like compares herself to Tangerine. Don't you know who that man is? Yeah. Otis Elwell, the columnist. Yeah. And he's a perfect stranger to me. So take five minutes. Get acquainted. He's an important man. He's lonely. Don't be dumb. What do you want all of a sudden? Lady Cadiver? Where's my other shoe? What kind of an act is this? Don't you think I have any feelings? What am I? A bowl of fruit, a tangerine that peels in a minute. I beg your pardon. How do you like this? I turned myself inside out to do you a favor, now I'm the heavy. Here's your shoe. There's your coat. And there's the door. Barbara Nichols does a great job as a reader, yeah. I like the, the last parting shot like of her in that whole sequence where like it's like her on it, her face on an angle with the camera. And she meant like, cause he's like kind of like grilling her. Like, didn't I see you like in like, you know, somewhere else. And then finally she's like, I think she says Florida. I think it's the last one or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a really great shot. Yeah. They always do um, in that sequence, a lot of like close up, like harsh close ups on her, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. I found super interesting. And then there are always lots of like, there's this one great shot um, of Rita talking to the guy and you can like see the bedroom in the background. It's just so sinister the way he's like trying to flirt with her, but you can like see everything that's going on. It's very totally. cool. And so, yeah, like he's like calling in all these favors, like and, and blackmails to everybody. And also there's like this one guy, he tries to blackmail another columnist and he's like, Hey, you've been cheating on your wife. And he just goes to his wife and like, Hey, sorry, I was cheating on you. Like totally gets <laughs> ahead of it. <laughs> and Tony Curtis doesn't know what the fuck to do. He's like, Oh, uh, whoops. All right. Well, <laughs> Good luck, you two crazy kids. He's desperate. Absolutely. Yeah. And so 
Dallas is rehired and JJ is like, I, you know, hey, I look good in front of my sister, but I, this isn't good. We got to get rid of this guy. You know, and of course, during this whole scene where like he's making a whole like, oh, look at me. I'm, I'm so powerful getting you rehired. Dallas still does not respect JJ the way he wants it. And he doesn't like that whatsoever. So he's like, hey, Falco, I'm not done with you yet. Why don't you go plant some marijuana on Dallas and we'll get him arrested. And I know some dirty cops that'll just beat the shit out of him. And that should solve our problem. <laughs> that communist angle was no good. It's just weed and dirty cops. Yeah. One thing I, I, I do really like about um, if, if you if you watch Tony Curtis is always behind Hunsaker always. Mm-hmm. So whether he's walking or sitting in pretty much every scene, he's always walking behind him or sitting behind him, kind of showing that level of like, he like Burt Lancaster has that like air over him. And you notice it like when they're at the restaurant, you notice when they're walking down the street, when he's trying to plead with him, he's always kind of like chasing behind him. Later on, as we get to the, the sequence where they're in that theater, he's sitting behind him. You know, it's just it, like, it really shows that like, that kind of like, hegemony he has over him um, yeah throughout that's it. definitely intentional yeah um there is a story about you know when tony curtis first goes to burt lancaster and it's like the first time we're introduced to jj and he like first he phone calls before he goes over the table and then he he approaches the table like you said like he pulls up a chair and like sort of sits a little bit behind jj and that that was intentional i think originally JJ is supposed to shift down and make room for Sydney and Burt can't Burt Lancaster supposedly blew his fuse went crazy and was like JJ would never ever ever be boxed in at a restaurant like he would he was just went crazy and was like that would never happen like JJ would mm-hmm. never make room for Sydney and he got his way well, it was a producer I'm sure it wasn't that hard <laughs> yeah and he's it's my, it's my movie and he's also terrified. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, he's in the zone. He's he's JJ. Uh, so it's like, oh, guess what? Susie and Steve are now engaged. Steve Dallas, of course. And uh, so that didn't work whatsoever. People are just running towards each other. So <laughs> definitely need to get him uh, to get beat up. And as a result, he's like, uh, I'll, I'll cover all your clients for a good long while. You can take my sister out on vacation. Like, be great. What, what, what more could you want? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, all right, cool. Let's do this. He slips a couple jazz cigarettes into his pocket. Now you know why they're called that, Dad. And Thank uh, you. of course, they find the, the weed and they're like, all right, beat him up. And they beat him up. Indeed, he is hospitalized. It is uh they're very good at beatings, these dirty cops, for sure. They yeah. dish it out quite well. I do like the way it's repeated, that sequence, because it comes up later. Oh, it's, absolutely. The, it's the same, like, MO, like, as far as, like, the way, the way that, you know, dirty cop, who is basically a dirty cop that just is in, like, in Kello. pockets. Yeah. 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 Kello is amazing in how dirty he actually is. He's <laughs> just like a grease ball. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just radiating off of him. So that happens all as well. And they're like, all right, let's party. Let's toast to my favorite perfume. What could that smell like, huh? Success. <laughs> Who do you think releases that, Dan? I have no idea. What do you think that perfume commercial is like? It's 
probably like Dior or something, right? I was going to say Dior too. Are they just like yeah. the hot perfume and commercials right now? Probably, or, or Yves Saint Laurent or something. Are, are they like pretty? Well, are, that's the I one. I can see there. it being Saint Laurent. That's the one. Yeah. Well done. Good one. I'm su- I'm just surprised I know about all of this. <laughs> I'm very impressed. You did quite well. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a, I'm a I'm a man of the world. Well, we're toasting to that now. So yeah, I mean, it's like cool. We're gonna party, but Falco has like got to go to Hunsecker's for them to talk, and uh, Susan is there. She's uh, not too psyched about how what everything that has transpired, especially with the man that she loves, and she's like, uh, I'm gonna fucking jump. I'm I'm gonna kill myself. And he stops her and, you know, is like, hey, don't do this. Like, keep your eye on the prize. Like, we're all doing good things here. You, you We could be on vacation. Just enjoy what your brother's doing. So he, he closes the window and he, like, pulls her away from it. And then old comes in old JJ and he's like, hey, wait a second. What is this? What are you two doing? This doesn't look like a suicide at all. And Falco's no. like, what the hell? What's going on here? Doesn't help that she's in her negligee. No, yeah. not at all. Although, you know, it was like nighttime, sleepy time. No, but when JJ walks in and she's like slumped over and... Oh, yeah. Well, she's it's like just... on the bed, right? Because at that point, like the way like it, it, that like whole thing went down, like she ended up like kind of laying on the bed and he was kind of over her. Mm-hmm. And then JJ walks in. So obviously like JJ's like, what the heck is going on here? Um, yeah, and he would never imagine his baby sister trying to kill herself. Yeah. That's but true. he knows like Falco's like, you know, slimy dude. And he's thinking like, oh, like all along, like this is what you're you're moving in now uh, that Dallas is out of the way. Nobody understands each other. You know, they all have just visions for other people that are not accurate to who they actually are. And mm-hmm. you know, if they just sat down and talked, you could have solved a lot of these problems. But JJ's not the type of guy to sit down, sit down and have a heart to heart, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so tough, too, because, like, you know, you feel pretty sympathetic for Susan up to this point. You know, she tried to break up with Steve Dallas. So, like, what happens to him didn't happen, but then it right. did. So you're like, oh, man, oh, that's that's so sad. And then, you know, now she's just, like, not speaking up and being like, oh, yeah, no, I was, like, about to kill myself. Like, this guy stopped me. Just watch him get slapped around by old Lancaster. Yeah. And this 1957 slap, so you could feel him. Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah. Falco is just fucked, basically. You know, he then is like, what are you doing? Come on. Like, remember, we tried to frame your sister and scam her and all that stuff. Come on. And then she's like, hey, wait a second. What's that now about doing all that stuff to Steve Dallas? And so now the cat is out of the bag. So he calls that. that that's the way where, he, where he's like, oh, yeah, well, I, I'm calling. I'm calling in another favor to my uh, my, my greasy police. guy. Yeah. My friend, the police and you my remember, greasy remember police. Remember what happened to Dallas? Well, it's going to happen to you too. Yeah, you like a car is going to show up. <laughs> and so, yeah, a car does show up and he is horribly beaten as well. Susan tries to leave and JJ's like, What are you doing? And she's like, Oh, by the way, wink, wink. Yeah, I, did, I did try to kill myself, but you know, this guy probably had it coming. And uh, I'm going to go be with Dallas. So here's a happy ending for you. I'm Peace leaving out. you. Yeah. yeah like, I'm, yeah. I don't want to be anywhere near, you know, living with you anymore. She chose life, you know, like she was two, se- two seconds ago. She was killing herself. And now she's like, why not just try something else? Like, leaving. Did you did you notice, too? It's the first time she takes off the fur coat and she she comes oh. to him wearing a completely different coat. Did not notice that. Yeah. yeah Those are professionalized either, there. No, I that. think the fur coat is supposed to represent everything that JJ is. You know, the luxury. lavish lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And then so when she's leaving, she's wearing like a very plain overcoat. 
um, when she takes the fur off. Well, seeing, you know, kind of seeing him really for what he is for the first time and hearing like what, like this whole plot behind her back to get rid of Dallas, you know, at that point, it, it like really woke her up like, wow, like, you know, I've been kind of just like curtailing to this guy my whole life. They make it seem like so now she's like, I'm going to go out on my own and do my own thing. I also want to mention there, there's one scene that we kind of glossed over, but there's that whole sequence where Dallas stands up to uh, JJ in that theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that sequence takes a really long time, but it's, it, it's good because you show, it shows that like, he is really, like we talked about earlier, like one of the few people that like legitimately stands up to JJ and obviously he does not take that well at all. Um, yeah. Everything he says is right. Like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> I also like the whole sequence where he like, where, um, Tony Curtis tries to like do that thing on the side where he like kind of cons that other like I guess he's like a comedian comedian yeah yeah and like he like tries to like plays that whole game where he like gets on the phone he's it pretends he's like talking to JJ like oh yeah I'm gonna get you on this column blah 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 and like really tries to like pull one on him to try to get him as a client to try to make money out of him so which I thought was funny like it's a funny thing like the fact that the, through all of this he's like still wheeling and dealing like on the side like kind of show does really show you like who he is and like it stresses me out. Like this movie stresses me out um, <laughs> just because like the personalities of these people, like uh, it's yeah. It's a scummy movie for sure. Yeah. These are the worst of the worst. Yeah, I could take absolutely. a lot of scummy people, but like, I, I think th- these types of personalities are like some of my least favorite traits and personalities of people. I think that's what's tougher for me to. Yeah. To, Cause I mean, it's not even like, I mean, there's, there's violence of course that's dished sure. out, but it, it's more just like, manipulation and mental evil which is always the scariest kind yeah Yeah, absolutely especially when i also was gonna say i also oh i I also want to shout out sam levine hey who's who's amazing in this movie Mm -hmm. as steve's manager Mm -hmm. um he's so good in this i just wish he had more time there's a lot of like just characters you don't get enough of who really shine the time that you do get them for sure yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's it's a jam-packed movie. Yeah. Dan, do you want to uh, sum this up with some uh, score? Uh-oh. Uh, um, I, love I guess I want to preface it with... Here we go. Uh, I don't, I don't know if we... Movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will credit as, is it a great movie? Yes. It is a great movie. I'm not saying that's not a good movie. It's just not a movie I, I enjoy. Like, like I said, enjoy, I, I, yeah. I think... Like I said, like the types of personalities are like just people I can't stand. And sometimes there are movies where like I don't like anybody, but I can still enjoy the movie for what it is. But I think th- this like I just there's just something about it I don't like. Like, are there things I like about it? Yeah. I, I mean, the cinematography obviously is like the best thing about it. Like, I, in my opinion, like I think the cinematography is amazing. Phenomenal. Um, yeah. And the score, like every, everything about it. I mean, I love this time period, um, late 50s, mid late 50s film noir. Like I love I have such a, a love for it. And I love Tony Curtis and, and Burt Lancaster. So like on paper, like I want to love this movie, but I, it's just not one that like I enjoy watching. Like it's not one that I'm just like, oh, I'm really excited to go watch this again. Um, but it's fine. Like, it's, like I said, it's a great movie. It's just not one I, I enjoy watching. What's the number score for that? Um, I'm going to say because it's a good movie, I'm going to say like 7.2. Okay. But again, like my, my rewatch like value for me is not as much there as maybe other movies. Text me your real score when we're done with the show. Well, wait, you, you think I'm holding back? I'm not holding back. I, 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 th- I think you put a couple extra points on for our guests. 
No, I'm not no. going to be. I mean, I didn't make the movie. You can you can say whatever. You didn't want. you though? No, no. no. Let's I, reveal I, it now. Film Noir Confidential's grandfather was involved with this production. <laughs> I wish. No, I'm 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 being I'm being straightforward. Like no, like I said, it is a good movie. I just don't like it. Like I don't enjoy watching it. <laughs> because <laughs> it, it stresses you out like does it the yeah pacing I, I, and energy give you anxiety i don't like either the main character's energy like like they're like the exact yeah. opposite type of people for me and i just i don't like those type of personalities so i think i think i have a tough time like just like watching it like i think i just have a tough time watching those people like hustling other people and like and like the air that jj has over over everybody annoys me like his his character just sucks so much. It's too real to life, you know? Right. I think that's what it is. Like, it, it's so well done, and I give it that credit, but it's just not, again, not something I watch that I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. Like, I, I don't enjoy watching it. <laughs> yeah. It's a very I, conflicting movie for me, is what I'm saying. I agree that's with everything. Right. I agree with everything you're saying, Dan. Um, it is, like, a technically great movie. I Like, I really am a fan of everything, but, like, probably the director. Like, the direction... I find a little lacking, but I mean, I think it, it's an awesome script. Everyone really kills it with their performances. And of course, as I was saying, the cinematography is the reason to watch this thing. Um, but I agree, it, the rewatch value, it, it's like a tough film to redo. And it really is like a film that needs to be taken as like a whole piece, as opposed to just like, oh man, like you got to stay for this one scene, you know, like right. there's not any particular scene that I would say is like the scene, it's just, you got to stay and, and watch the whole thing. Um, it's subtext too. I mean, like I sure. kind of talked about, I mean, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of layers to it. And for that, like I said, that's what I give it credit for. It's like, it's a really good movie. It's just, yeah. yeah. Personal uh, feelings. Personal taste. And whatnot. Yeah. yeah. So I'd give this 6.9 out of 10 smells. Ooh, that's okay. What would you give? What would you give this 10 out of 10 film for yourself? <laughs> 10 out yeah, of 10. I, yeah, exactly. It's like for me, like a nine and a half. Well, what are what? Like it's, like it's very high. What are we missing? How come we're unable to rewatch this and you are? I think, I mean, it's interesting because you're saying that the characters are too true to life, but isn't that a testament to how great the <laughs> movie is? Like you're saying it hit too close to home. But then isn't that a great representation? I mean, sort of. It's just like, you know, if you have something traumatic in your life, like these horrible people, you know, these are like your bosses in life and stuff like that. And now you're watching them take on other people that maybe you could relate to. Like, oh, man, I, I was scammed like that or something. I don't know. Yeah, but I think also at the I personally end... see myself as a J.J. Hunsecker. So, I, I mean, I, I'm fine with it. You know, I, I, I get it. It's sort of like has a nice ending though to you know what i mean like if you don't root for the characters sydney gets beaten at the end jj's left completely alone uh susan goes off to find steve the only person that doesn't get punished is the cop really yeah you know who gets away with being also true to life like, yeah. beating yeah which is really sadly still applicable but i think that also like ties it up nicely in a little bow for me that like every a lot of the people kind of get what they deserve in the end well does steve dallas deserve susan hunsecker i mean because of her he got this beating that put him in a hospital like is no, it better because of jj well sure but 
I mean, is JJ gone? You know, like all he did was, he, we don't know that. We just hope that that's the case, that this was enough to, for him to be like, boy, I'll, I'll leave my sister alone now. instead of just No more meddling. Him, yeah. Instead of being like, why is Steve Dallas still alive? Like pull the fucking plug. Hey, you cops never got any consequences. Let's keep up the good work. I have a weird question. Do you guys find JJ's level of love for his sister a little strange? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's, I'm wondering if there's like some sub weird subcontext, like context of like, is he in love with his sister? Like, I don't quite know. Cause it's like, there's that one scene where he's like watching her sleep. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, there's just a lot of, I can't tell. So actually, uh, I have some possible reasoning for that. And I think that's a good segue to our our, our facts for the movie, because I think there's a little bit of an explanation for that. So let's start with uh, the original budget for the movie was $600,000, but eventually ballooned to $2.6 million. And that's in, that's in 1957. So wow, a lot of money. Burt Lancaster and his producing partners initially considered Orson Welles for the role of J.J. Hunsaker. But after the success of Trapeze in 1956, uh, Lancaster decided to play the role himself and give Tony Curtis the role of Sidney Falco. So that would be an interesting scene. Wells and Lancaster would have been awesome, actually. Yeah. What about Wells and and Curtis? It would have, yeah, it would have been Wells and Curtis, no? Oh, okay. Yeah. And so Lancaster would have just produced then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either way, I just want to see Wells as Hunsecker. (laughs) I think that would have been phenomenal. But this, but Tony Curtis's studio didn't want him to do this film either, right? So that was also, yeah. That would have been another another issue. <laughs> yeah. So getting to what you were mentioning earlier, uh, the character of J.J. Hunsaker is based on the famed New York columnist Walter Winchell, and even the the director wanted to cast Hume Cronin in the role of J.J. due to his physical resemblance right. to Walter Winchell. Oh, wow. and if you actually do like a, a deep dive on Walter Winchell, like on Wikipedia and stuff like that, like. It's based on him because of not only that he's a, like a big column, a, a columnist and, and uh, radio, but he also um, had that type of relationship with his sister, who's like very super protective of his sister. Not so his sister, actually, uh, his, his daughter, know. Walda. He like he yeah, tried to man- mean, yeah. he tried to maneuver the breakup of her and someone and a producer, William Kahn. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like that's I think where a lot of that comes from. So. We might actually have to look at Walter Winchell's like maybe. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And the writer Ernest Lemon, uh, he was like a press agent himself, so like a lot of this stuff came from you know his experience back then. So mm-hmm. yeah, very interesting. You know, kind of like a Citizen Kane type deal. Yeah, just base them on these real asshole tycoons. Something I noticed it at the end of this watching, and it comes up here in the notes as well. Um, which I didn't notice the other times I, I've seen it, is that Hunsaker's apartment building is actually the the front of it when he walks out is the Brill building. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Which, like, I didn't catch other times I watched it. I was like, oh, it's the Brill building. Like, that's really cool. You know, obviously, with, like, the Tin Pan Alley and the whole, like, Brill sound, you know, building sound of the, uh, I guess it's, like, the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Yeah. I love the Brill building. Yeah. Burt Bacharach and, like, a bunch of others shooting they actually did shoot on location in new york as you could see and uh it actually like really stressed out the director and i'm sure it would me too um the, a lot of the exteriors were shot in the busiest noisiest areas uh with lots of crowds of young tony, tony curtis fans that were always trying to like rush him <laughs> you know because they wanted to be around him even uh mckendrick remembered uh, we started shooting in times square at rush hour 
and we had high powered actors and a camera crane and police help and all of the rest of it. But we didn't have any script. We knew where we were going vaguely, but that's all. So wow. yeah, apparently there's yeah a lot of uh, a lot a lot of stress uh, as you could probably imagine. Um, I mean that makes its way into the film. Yeah, Every, everyone's going method. That's all. Yeah, great. According to TCM's Eddie Muller, uh, Walter Winchell was delighted that the film bombed at the box office and at a preview showing of the picture, an audience member commented, quote, don't change a thing, just burn all the prints. <laughs> yeah, yeah it definitely was not quote. received very well when it came out. A preview screening of Sweet Smell of Success was poorly received, as I mentioned, as Tony Curtis fans were expecting him to play one of the more typical nice guy roles and said uh, were presented with Sidney Falco. Kendrick remembered seeing audience members, quote, curling up, crossing their arms and legs, recoiling from the screen in disgust. Burt Lancaster's fans were, yeah, Burt Lancaster's fans were not thrilled with their idol either, quote, finding the film too static and talky. Those those darn talky films. (laughs) Yeah. Burt Lancaster actually blamed Ernest Lehman, the writer of the novel or the novella, for his withdrawal due to illness from the, the film's box office failure. At the after party from the premiere, Lancaster said, quote, you didn't have to leave. You could have made this a much better picture. I ought to beat you up. Well, because he was going to he was up for directing it. That just more context for that. Yeah, he was actually originally good director. And then they're like, oh, wait, this guy never directed anything. Get rid of him. And yeah, now all of a sudden they're like, why'd you go? It's like, fuck you, Berlin Caster. I also like the the idea that he's like saying, I ought to beat you up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then uh, Layman's response was, uh, go ahead, I need the money. <laughs> Hell yeah. um, so I thought I'd, I'd leave on that one. Uh, I think that's pretty good. A couple things to add. Uh, so yeah, the, the book or novella, so they changed some things. There was, there was a rape in it mm-hmm. that they had changed, of course. Uh, there was some elements of incest and I think a lot more marijuana. <laughs> so... That was something. Uh, there was a musical, Dan, I'm surprised you didn't bring up. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, with John Lithgow in it. Uh, it was <laughs> from like 2002. It reportedly lost its entire $10 million investment. Um, <laughs> who, would have, who would imagine that? It was, yeah, it, I don't see this being a great musical. It received largely negative reviews and was a commercial <laughs> flop. Uh, one critic lamented that it was, quote, a real heartbreaker. One of those fabulous sounding new musicals with an impeccable pedigree, which never quite comes together and ultimately only disappoints. The only way I think it would have been good is if John Lithgow played both main characters. Hell like, yeah. like that would have been fun. Like yeah. if he had, to, if he had to go like back and forth between JJ and Falco, that I, that I probably would have watched. Both He's one that. of my favorite singers. So I would have loved to hear some, some cast recordings from that one. Yeah. When I think of Broadway and musicals, I definitely think of, of him. Yeah. Give me Lithgow, baby. Uh, and one last shout out for our, our friend James Wong Howe. Uh, he earned the nickname Low Key Howe because of his penchant for, uh, what do you say, a penchant? Pen- Pen- penchant, yeah. Penchant? Pension. Uh, all right. Uh, for dramatic lighting and deep shadows, a technique that came to be associated with film noir. So he's quite revolutionary in our favorite genre. That's all. That's all I've got. Yeah, so I think confidential. Most... Did, we, uh, did we mess up anything? Did we leave anything out? No, I was going to say there's a couple more that I can think of really quickly. Like, um, bring them in. So, for the filming, they asked Burt Lancaster to wear his actual glasses so he could look more intimidating. And they, um, I think McKendrick put a, like a thin layer of Vaseline on the lenses so Burt Lancaster would always have like this blank stare on his face. 
And then James shot from a low angle using a wide angle lens. So the glasses would like cast a shadow on Lancaster's face, which I always found super interesting. And also before they hired the Chico Hamilton, they investigated his group for like a couple of months beforehand to see if they did any drugs because they didn't want anyone involved with the film. Like they didn't want to hire someone and then somebody from the press finding out that they did marijuana later on or something like that. So they like secretly had them followed for months until they had like a clean bill of health and then they hired them to, to be in the film. Oh, yeah, I, I think it was James Wong, Wong uh, Howe that actually did the Basley thing. I think oh, it was, yeah. oh, really? I think it was him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would give him more credit anyway. But yeah, I think it was him that did that. You mean a director trying to take credit for everything? No, that never. never. <laughs> I don't like this director. I don't. Uh, I think he's. Well, like, you know, McKendrick was terrified he was going to be fired any minute, any day. So you know, should have fired him. I, <laughs> I feel like you can you can sense that through the movie. The lesson really is don't work for this production company, no matter how much you love Burt Lancaster. Well, well there's a lot of people who came out after the movie, like the Elmer Bernstein and um, Chico Hamilton. Like a lot of people afterwards came out and said that like Burt is just terrifying. Yeah. And was just like that. a scary, scary guy. Yeah, he's threatening to beat people up. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> well, McKendrick only did like a handful of movies anyway. And like the only one that like I knew is his, I think it was his last movie. Uh, he did a movie in 1967 called Don't Make Waves, which is like a beach movie. Uh, with, with Tony Curtis. And, yeah. uh, and I know it because uh, I, I think... It's, it's got that song, right? Like, don't make way... Like, yeah. yeah. And, and you know who does that song? Who? It's the Birds. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. Oh. That's awesome. Yeah. I've only seen the trailer, but it seems cool. Yeah, they actually did, like... Uh, let me see. I think they even made it for the movie. I mean, I guess that makes sense. But, like, sure. I'm pretty sure... Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. Big Birds fan. I'm a big bird fan. Are you? <laughs> I got that. Thank you. Uh, anything else to comment on this twisted tale of evil and newspapers? Just well, a good movie. You, yeah. yeah, thank you for having me on this episode, even though you guys don't like the movie. We do like the movie. We just don't love Enjoy. the movie. Yeah. <laughs> we There's can recognize it's a great movie. Yeah. But we're glad you brought it to us. And, we, you know, we were going to get here anyways. Okay. Well, maybe next time I can come for a movie that you actually enjoy. Well, that's always the test, isn't it? You never know with the lads. It's I all know. about suspense, you know? You never know. Exactly. Go watch well, you... I thought one of you maybe didn't like it. I didn't realize both of you didn't like it. So that was a, nice, <laughs> that was a surprise for sure. Well, I, I, will, I will offer that I, I did send uh, Joey the list as we're making up for the next season and i did include this in the list i believe That's so that, that is true yes so yeah i will i will say that i did put it in there despite you know my mixed feelings about it so we want to talk about it it, yeah. lo- it looks so good yeah, yeah i mean it's I a highly talented yeah, yeah, it's it's beautiful movie. art for this episode absolutely and i will say i do actually really do enjoy the artwork on the criterion i will say that is that a sean phillips i believe uh probably very dr- I will say the drawings. commentary, the commentary too on the Criterion version is excellent. I think it's one of my favorite commentaries I've listened to. Who does it? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> film scholar James Nairmore. Oh, okay, thank you. I'm like reading the back. 
Yeah, there's also a, a James Wong Howe uh, documentary from 1973, which I wanted to watch, but I didn't get a chance to because I, I would like to watch that. That and sounds people, awesome. Yeah, and for people listening, I think if you search Vimeo, you can actually find it up there. Oh, if, okay. it's a, if it's the same documentary I'm thinking of, um, it's it's either from the 70s or 80s. Very cool. It might be on Criterion Channel, too. I know the movie wasn't at this moment, but sometimes they still have the features up there. Well, thank you, filmnoirconfidential.com. Thank you for having me. Screen name, Instagram, other stuff. The, the best in the, the business. Stuff. Yes. We keep watching your, your meteor rise. We love seeing it. So thank you so much for coming. Uh, announcement. The show is going to be going on a little bit of a hiatus for, for just a couple months, but we'll be back April 6th. We'll be coming back strong. We might do some bonus episodes or something in between. You know, we'll try to get that pint glass and mug released, but just got to get some stuff done, recharge some batteries, and the lads will be back. Party horns. Yes, thank you. Now we know what they're called. (laughs) Got to get our Party City account together and we'll get personalized ones. And Originally, we weren't even going to be back till like August, but now that we know what they're called, that's like three months of research done right there. Right. Well, that's what what I'm going to be doing during those three months is that I'm going to be researching how to get personalized party, party horns. horns all right yeah. that sounds great um but hopefully we'll also be doing cool stuff maybe dan will make another album or something you never know that's my challenge to you <laughs> probably probably not okay I'll, I'll i will say this I'll, I'll probably be doing some you know i'll make some posts here and there yeah um, like we'll, we'll the social stuff going. will still be yeah. there um but we're just kind of figuring out the the next year and kind of getting ahead on some episodes like we'll still be recording and stuff but you know just trying to be a well-oiled show so we'll see you april 6th but out of the podcast instagram out of the cast twitter the real out of the podcast at gmail.com rate review subscribe tell us you miss us and you want us to come back sooner yeah maybe the more more people that if more people chime in saying they want they're missing our content it's a tinkerbell situation you know you just got to believe I love that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's I was a- not expecting that. So <laughs> I had no uh, comment for that. Of course, we wanted to have our friend Film Noir Confidential with us before we, we took a little breather. So thank you for killing it, as always. Thank you for having me. Always, it's Thanks so coming. fun coming on, on whenever you guys want me. I'm here. We're back in April, so we'll see you then. <laughs> okay. We got I'll plenty of time to, to recharge as well. But I love you guys, and uh, we love the Noiros, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. We'll be back soon. It's not like the show's ending or something. Just taking a break. Come on now. It's easy there. <laughs> it's but, too uh, late for tears, guys. Come on. Hey, there you go. And speaking oh. of too late for tears, here's the crime. But really, here's to that sweet smell, huh? Here's the crime. Ridding. Film Noir Confidential didn't want to hear the crime with us. Yeah, nice nice work. Real, real true professional. <laughs> I have water. You're not supposed to cheers with water. I have nothing. I have nothing near me. <laughs> I never have drink. I, I I make it like basically a rule. I never drink when I'm on the podcast. So. He's so thirsty. I'm very thirsty right now, guys. <laughs> You're literally parched. <laughs>